This is episode number 110, and on today's edition of Fan Friday, I'm answering a question from Spence. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. My name is Travis Albritton, your friendly neighborhood Bible teacher, and every day we'll dive into the tips, tricks, and hacks that you can implement in your daily life to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of Practical Christian training. Hey guys, welcome back to another Friday edition here on the podcast. Our super fan of the week this week is Abby, and uh, Abby left a nice review in Apple Podcasts, which I will read now. She said, I always look forward to your podcasts. You will never know what a godly impact you've had on my life. Well, Abby, I am so grateful that this podcast has been helpful to you. And if you want to be highlighted as a future super fan of the week, all you have to do is go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Drop a comment. Let me know how this podcast has helped you. And, uh, and let me know how many stars out of five. Five stars being the best, obviously, and one star meaning that you, you just did this for participation points. But, uh, Abby, thank you again for your review. Our question this week comes from Spence. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm all over the place today. Our question today comes from Spence, and, uh, and he wrote to me, and he said, I've heard about extra books from the Bible, the Gospel of Thomas and, and Judas and more. I've always believed that if God wanted them in the Bible, he would have put them in there. But do you believe that there's any value to studying these documents? Are they simply extra historical information, or do they contain false doctrine that would only cause a young Christian to stumble? And Spence, this is a great question, because uh, recently this became a hot button issue, a topic that was, uh, you know, widely discussed in the Christian community and even outside of the Christian community, and really came to the forefront with the release of The Da Vinci Code, which is a fictional novel by Dan Brown. And some of the uh, the basic premises that Dan Brown builds his uh, narrative on top of aren't, uh, strict, aren't strictly biblical, right? So he uh, references other gospels to paint different storylines, to suggest that, uh, you know, certain things about the Holy Grail. And so, and it's a very entertaining book. So if you just read it for entertainment value, it's very entertaining. But it got people asking the question, you know, how did we get the books of the Bible that we have? What about these other books that claim to be gospels or important letters written by important people? Why didn't those get in? Was there like a Roman emperor that decided what would go in and what wouldn't? You know, how did the early church decide which books should be included in the New Testament? And so, uh, so what I'm going to talk about today are, are things that I've learned from a wide array of resources, I would say, but the main one is How We Got the Bible by Neil Lightfoot. Uh, this was written a little while ago, uh, but just so, it, and it's definitely not a light read, but it's very uh, clear, very useful in breaking down how we got the Bible and, and how we assembled it into what it is today. And so just some notes uh, specifically on the New Testament books, because that's typically the ones that people have the most question about, is they were circulated throughout the early church as they were being written. So if you can imagine Paul writing a letter to a church, um, you know, the book of Colossians, for instance, at the very end, Paul says to, to the church in Colossae that they should read the letter he sent to Laodicea as well, and that they should actually swap, and that the Laodiceans should read the Colossian letter. And so that was common practice, that as these letters were being written, instructing the church on how to uh, be like Jesus and what this new life looked like, these letters and these, these books were circulated throughout the early church. 
And so uh, writings from apostles and other influential church leaders, guys like James, who uh, was leading the church in Jerusalem, um, were highly sought after. And you can imagine why, because at this point, the only scripture that they had was the Old Testament. And it wasn't like today where everyone has access to a Bible. They had to physically go to the temple and hear what the, uh, what the assigned reading for the day was. And so having access to a writing from an apostle was a big deal because that could help answer questions about how to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? How do we honor God with this new life? And so the early Christians were circulating these letters and they widely agreed for the most part on which letters were to be read. And here's the, the key words alongside scripture. So they identified the writings of the apostles and some of the early church leaders as being uh, equally inspired as the Old Testament scriptures. All right, that's really important. This wasn't just, you know, these guys sending in their suggestions or writing letters back and forth as pen pals. You know, the early Christians understood the task that the apostles had been given by Jesus to start the church and that the Holy Spirit had given them the ability to recall all the things that God had told them and then uh, during Jesus' ministry, and that God was continuing to use them as the church was being uh, started. And so they understood that these writings were really important. Now, not all of the letters that the apostles wrote are in the New Testament, right? So for instance, going back to that referencing uh, the book of Colossians, the letter to the church of Laodicea is not included in the Bible, the only other time that Laodicea shows up in the Bible is in Revelation, at the very beginning. And so, just because Paul wrote letters to churches, or Peter wrote letters, or John wrote letters, that doesn't mean that they ended up in the New Testament. There were other criteria that the early churches and church leaders looked at to decide what would be read alongside Scripture. And, uh, and I'm not going to go into all the details. Uh, if you want to do some research, uh, it's, it's relatively easy to find that information. Uh, just kind of Google through some things. But, uh, but the big key point here is that the early church agreed on which letters would make up the New Testament, and that was settled within the first 200 years after Jesus died. So it wasn't this extended process, um, and it wasn't laid down by a council or a decree or a group of people that, you know, blessed a certain list of scriptures or books of the Bible, all right? But uh, circling, so that's how the New Testament was kind of uh, put together. But what about the Gospel of Thomas and Judas, which is what Spence asked about? Well, first off, they weren't written by Thomas or Judas. So that's kind of problematic, right? So, so imagine uh, you know, that you uh, are reading a new piece of a new document. Let's say a book comes out, and it's a, an autobiography by George Washington. And it just came out. Well, that's a problem, because George Washington died like 200 years ago. But according to this document, it is the autobiography of George Washington. It's kind of a similar time frame. The Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Judas, came out hundreds of years after these two men lived and died. And the, uh, the group that wrote these uh, two documents were the Gnostics. And the Gnostics were a splinter group from Christianity that rejected the resurrection of Jesus and saw the pursuit of knowledge as the means to immortality that you know, being one with God or being close to God was a matter of, uh, you know, an, it was an intellectual exercise. If you accumulate enough knowledge, enough wisdom, 
uh, of the higher spiritual plane, then that is the way that you're supposed to connect with God. And Paul speaks directly against them in the book of Colossians, actually, uh, in, verse, in chapter 2, and says they're not connected to the head that is Christ. Basically, they're not even Christians. So this group that's writing these documents, they're not Christians. And so, you know, it's very easy for the early church to not include these books because, A, they were written hundreds of years after the New Testament had been assembled. The uh, authors behind the books were not the authors that they intended to be, or that, you know, they said that they were. And they were generated by a group that weren't even identified as Christians. And then on, on top of all of that, neither one of those books in particular, the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Judas, are even Gospels in the literal sense. Because the Gospel, which means the good news, refers to the good news about Jesus's life, bur- death, burial, and resurrection. And the crucifixion account is missing from both of those documents. So they're not even Gospels. They're more just documents of Thomas or Judas, if you could even make that claim. All right, so, so there's a, a litany of reasons why those books aren't included in the New Testament. But uh, if you want to learn more, if this has just started to scratch an itch of curiosity of how the Bible got put together, I definitely encourage you to go and snag a copy of that book, How We Got the Bible by Neil Lightfoot. Uh, again, it's not, it's not a light read. I would definitely encourage you to take your time as you go through it and try and absorb as much as you can. But it's something that I refer back to kind of like a textbook. I won't sit and read it cover to cover, but I'll go and read specific chapters depending on a conversation that I have with someone or a question that I have or something like that. And I'll, of course, leave a link in the show notes, the episode notes for this episode. So all you got to do is click, click over and uh, snag a copy off of Amazon. But if you want to submit a question for a future Fan Friday, all you have to do is just click the link in the episode notes right next to the, the Neil Lightfoot click or just make a, po- a post in the podcast Facebook group and, uh, and you can send me your question to me that way. Well, that is it for today. Make sure to smash that subscribe button to get daily practical tips just like this one. Leave a review in Apple Podcasts for your chance to get a shout out as the super fan of the week. And make sure to head over to the podcast Facebook group to connect with me and help decide future episode topics. Every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God and make a positive impact on the people around you. Take action with what you've learned and help make the world a little more like heaven. I'm Travis Albritton, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.